Go ahead and grab a seat. My name's Ricky. Um, so good to be with you guys today. Kids, super pumped to have you guys in the room. Yeah, super fun. So here's just a story. An elderly man was on the beach. And one day as he's walking down the beach, he finds a magic lamp and he picks it up and he rubs it and out pops a genie, right? And the genie says, hey, because you have freed me, I will grant you one wish. And the older man thought about it for a while and he says, my brother and I had a fight 30 years ago and, we haven't, and he hasn't spoken to me since. I wish that my brother would forgive me. And the, there was this big thunderclap, boom, and the genie says, your wish is been granted. Then the genie turned to the guy and he, he was like, man, you know, people pretty much when they, they get the one wish, they always wish for fame or for power or for wealth. And he says, but you just, did you just wish for your brother to forgive you because you're, you're old and you're dying? And the man said, not at all, but my brother is, and he's worth millions. <laughs> right, and we, the, we, we like what the, the, the man wished for. That's a good wish, forgiveness. But ultimately, when we hear the story, we're like, I don't really like it, though. And here's why. Because the why matters. Why he wished for what he wished for matters. Even though it was a good thing, we don't really like it because of his motives. And we all have motivations in our life. Why do you do everything that it is that you do? And we all care about motivations, at least to some extent. I mean, if you really think about it, the why matters. Even though if we don't actually think about it much in our daily life, in some situations, motivation matters a lot to us. In some situations, they don't. If my kids only clean their room so they, they can get more screen time, I don't know if I really care about it that much. I'm just, your room is finally clean. Um, if, you know, at, at your workplace or other people's workplace, we, we're fine with people's motivation of working hard, doing a really good job, but if their motivation is just to advance their career, just to make more sales so that they get paid more money, so that they get a promotion, and if they're kind of in, in it for themselves, we don't know if we really care about that much. But if I was up here doing it for the money, which I'm not, <laughs> you would be like, now I care. Now I care about those motivations. And there's all these things in, in our life that we know that really the motivations matter because it's, it's something that's internal to all of us. It's not something that you can always see. But we really know that, hey, why you do what you do or what other people do, that is kind of a big deal. And Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount, he's been going through um, these, these different teachings that are getting at people's hearts. And he, and he comes um, to this part, hey, I'm not just trying to make you okay on the outside. Alex said it last week, I'm not just trying to make people nice but new. Not just this exterior moral behavior, but man, to make a, actually a new people from the inside out, this heart transformation. And, the, and really, you know, if we, we said, hey, what's the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the heart of the matter is that the heart is what matters. And we see here in, G, in this part is that Jesus is really focusing on motivations. And he's saying, hey, you, motivations matter more than you really think. And so today we'll see kind of a, a false foundation for motivations, a true foundation for motivations, and then how do we build on the, the true foundation for our motives. And so, yeah, if you've got a Bible, open up Matthew 6, and we'll be looking at the, this false foundation. And so um, in here, and we just read it, there's these three, um, Jesus has been hitting again on how the heart matters, and he, he talked about it in the previous chapter. Hey, you've heard it said, don't just... Not don't murder, but hey, it's what's going on inside your heart. Hey, you've heard it said, don't just commit adultery, but I tell you, hey, if, if you have lust in your heart, that's, that's, that is adultery. That, that's where it's starting. The, the heart matters. And then he comes to these things, so he kind of shifts from this, hey, here's these things that you kind of think that you shouldn't do to help expose what's the deeper root. But then Jesus switches it here in this chapter to, hey, these are the things that you, you should be doing. 
right? I mean, he comes to these three foundational pillars, prayer or uh, giving, prayer, and fasting. And if you don't know what fasting is, fasting is when you abstain from something from a period of time to just focus on Christ, to focus on God. And most of the time that would be food, that you're just going in without food, to just slow down, to turn your, your uh, focus on Christ. And so he's hitting these three foundational pillars. And in each section, Jesus has three similar warnings. Verse one, um, let's see, verse one, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. Verse five, whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. And then verse 16, whenever you fast, don't fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. And we could read this and think, okay, Jesus is saying that if I'm doing anything good, just don't do it in front of other people. Right? And, 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 and that would make sense because in verse 3, Jesus says, hey, when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing so that your giving may be in secret. Verse 6, hey, if you're going to pray, go pray in a closet. Go, go behind a door and shut the door. With fasting, don't, don't, hey, don't, don't do, it, do that in secret. And is that the point that Jesus is making? Hey, if you're doing anything good, just don't let anybody see and do it in secret. Doesn't that kind of actually contradict what he said in, uh, in the previous chapter? I mean, Jesus said in chapter 5, verse 16, he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. So is that the point that he's saying? Hey, just don't let anybody see it. I mean, think about it. Jesus did good works in public. He healed people. Jesus even blatantly told his disciples, hey, you stay here, I'm gonna go pray. He definitely let them know what he was going to be doing. He told Peter specifically, Peter, I've been praying for you. Barnabas in Acts, who's uh, one of the companions of Paul, he gave money from a field that he sold, gave it to the apostles, so people knew he was giving it. So what is Jesus getting at here? In each section, Jesus warns them, don't be like the hypocrites. What is the most common reason that people don't want to go to church? Boring sermons, Ricky. Um, <laughs> right? Be, a lot of times people don't want to go to church. Why? And you've, maybe you've heard it or maybe you've, you've thought it. I don't want to go to church because of all of the hypocrites, right? Uh, when anybody tells me that, I'm like, hey, we got room for one more. Um, <laughs> So see, see you soon. Um, but, um, you know, there's kind of different kinds of, of hypocrites. There's somebody who says one thing and does another. They, they, they say, I'm going to do something good, but then they do something bad. Or there's a different kind of hypocrite. They criticize somebody, you know, oh, hey, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be like this. But then they do the same thing. And then there's a, a third type of hypocrite is a, is a pretender. And this is what it's talking about here. They, they do things, but there's a different motive, a different agenda. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, hey, be careful you practice your righteousness in front of others. And then in, look at verse 1. He tells them, this is why. It's not just because people see you. For, you know, don't just, just do it in secret. That's not what he's saying, but he's saying, hey, be careful to not practice uh, your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. That's why you're doing it. That's what he's warning them against. Hey, this is your motivation. The reason that you're doing it in front of other people isn't because you just want to give. It's not just because you want to pray. It's not just because you want to fast. You're doing it so that they see you. You're doing it for, for them to have this this uh, motivation uh, that, that is to get other people to see you. And notice in this, he, he doesn't say, hey, be careful of those hypocrites. He says, you need to be careful that you're not a hypocrite because here's, here's something that's gonna be easy for all of us. We're gonna read this, we're gonna look at this and be like, I know who he's talking about. I need to watch out for them. 
But he doesn't say, hey, be, beware of the hypocrites. He's be careful that you aren't like one. And so be, he's, he's encouraging the listeners to examine your hearts. And notice in these three, these three um, pillars of, of just, you know, of godly practice, of giving, praying, fasting, the distinguishment isn't between those who pray and those who don't, those who give and those who don't. The assumption is that you do give, that you do pray, that you do fast. I mean, he says, hey, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, that's the assumption. Hey, the, you're, you're, you're trying to live this godly life. You're trying to follow God, right? This is who we should be. I mean, I think that just on the first example that Jesus gives in giving, I think that followers of Jesus should be the most generous people on the planet. Really think that. Because why? Man, we know how much we have been given by God. Man, God has been so extremely generous to us. And that causes us to also be generous. And even later on in verse 20, we as followers of Jesus know this. Hey, man, I'm not storing up treasures for myself here. Where they're temporary, where moth and rust destroy. Man, that's not what my life's about. Man, I'm, I'm living for something that's, that's eternal, that doesn't fade. And also, we, we have a mission. Man, that, uh, our mission is not just, hey, make more money, make this business deal. It's, man, so that people might know God. They might, they might know the love of Christ, that his kingdom is advanced. So we should be you know, the, the most generous people here. And so Jesus here, he's assuming giving and helping the poor, being generous. And when he, when he, on the first one, he specifically says, hey, verse two, so whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet. I like saying, I think in sermon prep, somebody said, hey, basically don't toot your own horn, right? That, that, that's not how you should be giving, that it's drawing attention to yourself on purpose. And when he says, but don't pat your, or um, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, Basically, he's saying, don't be, don't be given in a way so that people really know that you're drawing attention to yourself. Don't even be given in a way that you're patting yourself on the back. It's not that a giving should always have to be done in secret. That, that's, that's not the point of it. It's not exactly how you give, but it's why you give. And hey, be careful with the way that you give so that it helps you to have these good motivations. When you pray... You know, with prayer, don't make it about drawing attention to yourself on purpose so that you're after um, people are seeing how religious you are. That, that do it in your room. And, and um, here's kind of the challenge with the, what he's saying with prayer. Do you only pray in public? Or is that actually an extension is your public prayer life an extension of the prayer life that you do in private? Because I think a lot of times we only pray in public, but the, it's, that's not actually a continuation of our private prayer life. Fasting. Um, when he says, um, you know, again, this would be abstaining from something to focus on God. And, and then he says, um, so, um, you know, put, put your, when you fast, put oil on your head and, and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious. People would walk around looking gloomy, trying to draw attention. Oh, I'm so, I'm super religious. Look at how awesome I am. Oh, hey, are you having a rough day? You don't look so good. Oh yeah, I'm fasting. Right, they're trying to get the attention so people know how great they are. And so when he says, hey, put, put oil, um, you know, he said, he, where he says, put oil on your head and wash your face. He's saying, hey, basically, Look normal. Just look normal so that it isn't obvious that people know what you're doing. And so we, we could kind of come to this and be like, okay, Jesus. So you're not, just, you're not really so much after like how I'm doing it if I'm just praying in public, praying in private. That's not exactly the point. It's the motives, hey, that I'm not doing it for, to get recognition from people. So I need to make sure that I have good motives, Jesus. Okay, gotcha. And we could kind of think that and then we could just kind of carry on and move on, right? Here's the problem that, that, that's hard with that is that we really care about what other people think of us, don't we? we? We could read this and be like, cool, I should have good motives. But tomorrow, you really care what your boss thinks of you. You really care what that other person thinks of you. 
right? I mean, we live in Nebraska. I mean, how many times you're like, hey, I kind of need to address something with someone. This is not a good situation, man. Hey, I think they're making some like destructive decisions, maybe some sinful things. There's this conflict here. And then this goes through your head. You talk yourself into it. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's really that big of a deal. Yeah, I, don't, I just, I'll be okay. And really, we avoid conflict. And really, the reason is, is why? It's not so much because of them, but it's because we care what they think about us. Man, if I bring this up, oh, I don't know. They're not going to like that. I don't want them to be mad at me. Or, or think of it too. You don't want to share the stuff in your life. Maybe there's a sin, a struggle, a situation. And you're, you hold back a lot of times, even if it's a safe place, and you're thinking this. But what are they going to think about me? Or who are they going to tell? Which is basically just a way of saying this. I don't know what they're going to think about me, and I don't know what somebody else is going to think about me. That's basically the thing, and it prevents you from doing that. About, what about even when we pray in front of others, when we do corporate prayer? I get it. It's a little awkward. Hey, I don't know who you're sitting next to, and maybe you don't either, but go ahead and pray with them. Pow, look at the screen. And that could feel intimidating, and I totally get that. But a lot of times we're like, okay, hey, rather than I get to go with other people to God, are they going to think my prayer's legit? Will it sound awesome? I mean, is God thinking that? Hey, let's see who's got legit prayers this Sunday. Uh, you didn't use big words. Right? That's not coming from God. That's coming from us, from our own insecurity. Looking good to others. I mean, and, and think about it, even in your world, looking good to others helps you look good. We all get it. People, people that make sure that they look good to others look good. People that are making sure that other people are watching them do the good things, guess what? They get the promotion. They get the credit. They get the recognition. And it feels like many times that the people that bring a lot of attention to themselves are, to get the approval of other people actually then do get the approval of other people. They're the ones that seem to be succeeding. And most of us want that. And we, we love that, that, um, that scripture in 1 Samuel 16 when the prophet Samuel goes to anoint the next king of Israel. And we love that the second half of that when God, when God is talking to me and God says, but God looks at the heart. And that is so true. But here's the other part of it. The first part of that verse is for, true as well, where God says, for people look at the outward appearance. That's true. And we know it. That's the world way we live in. And Jesus is saying here, hey, I totally get it. This is the world that you live in. It probably in some ways pays you to live and to act in a certain way that you get approval and recognition from others so that they see just how good you are. But if you live for that, if that's the motivation of your life, you will get your reward and you will get it in full. Basically, if you're living for the approval of other people, that's what you'll get, but that's all you'll get. And then later on when he says, uh, later, uh, later in the chapter, don't lay up treasures for yourself where moth and rust destroy. Basically saying all of those types of rewards, they're from people and they're temporary rather than they're from God and eternal. And so here he's, he's, Jesus is addressing this here, this, this motivation. Why do I do the things that I do? Is it so that other people see me, so that they're looking, so that I get this recognition and they get their approval? And he's addressing that here because he wants to transform our hearts, our motives. Why do we do what we do? Particularly, why do we do the good things that we do? Even in following Christ, why do we do them? Because this reflects not just what you value, but it reflects who you are. And so we see the, the, 
Approval of others is this false motivation that Jesus is warning us about, but then he brings us to the true motivation, uh, the true foundation of our motivations. And so look at verse um, seven. So he's talked about uh, in the, hey, don't be uh, giving in public so other people see you, don't be praying in public so other people see you, that's your motivation. Verse seven, he says, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. And so, hey, the, there's these, the, this, this group of people that, hey, because of their, their, their spiritual actions, because of their spiritual intensity when they pray, well, God will bless them. And so what he's drawing here is like saying, hey, you are doing, be careful if your motivation is to act in a certain way so that you're seen by others, so that you can control what other people think of you. And then right here, he's saying, hey, don't try to pray in a certain way so that you can control what God thinks of you. You're trying to manipulate people and their perception of you. You could do the same thing with God. I mean, because what does he say? Hey, they, don't be like the Gentiles that are just praying. They're just babbling. Man, if I pray a certain way, if I act a certain way, then God will give me the attention. Then God will answer my prayer. Right? It's, it's trying to manipulate God. If I could just get God to think of me, and I could get the things that I want from him. And now, now you might be saying, okay, but wait a minute. Doesn't, does, doesn't, here, Matthew, doesn't he encourage us to try to get some things from God? What about these rewards? I mean, it says several times in these, so that, um, you know, that you will get this reward versus getting the approval of other people. And certainly, we can look forward to rewards that God gives that are these eternal rewards. You know, there is this promise of, of that. We, we lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven. That's verse 20. But again, the contrast is that it's from people, from God, that it's temporary from people, that it's eternal from God. And let's face it, many times we're not after eternal rewards from God, we're after temporary rewards from God. And, and, and notice here that, that the, the drive here isn't Jesus saying, hey, pray in private so that you get rewards. That's not actually, the, the emphasis so much, isn't so much on the reward it doesn't even tell us what the rewards are. You know, because that could be like, well, what are the rewards? Jesus doesn't say. Because the emphasis isn't so much on, on, on getting something from God, it's on who is giving it. That God is a giving God, that God is a generous God. The emphasis is on God as our Father. So look at verse four. So that your giving may be done in secret because your Father sees. Verse six. Um, pray to your father and because your father who sees. Verse eight, because your father knows what you need. Verse 18, because your father sees. Even the beginning of the Lord's prayer, our father. In, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says the, the word father 17 times in the whole sermon in these three chapters. 10 of them are in these verses that we're talking about today. Even in verse, verse one, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father. It's not, hey, can I just act in a certain way and have the right motivation so that I could get something from God? It's, man, God is changing my heart, changing my motivations because of who God is. That's what I'm looking to. He's the reward with your father. Even John 17, um, the greatest treasure is him. He says, and this is life, that we know him. But notice how we, again, typically relate to the world, how all of us relate, even sometimes with one another. I do good, look good. You see me give, you see me pray, you see me fast. And... Even with God, we think, hey, now, now if, I, if I'm doing all the good things, God, check, 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 you owe me. Think of how many times you're upset when God doesn't fill his part of the bargain. Even though God's like, I don't remember signing a deal. I don't remember making this, this bargain with you that if you do all these things, then I just shell out all my blessings upon you and your life's comfortable. 
There's no scripture that just says that, that that's what you're guaranteed. But yet, that's going on in the back of our minds because why? That's the way it, it, it is in the world. If I do good, look good, then I get good things. You approve of me, and we think God's the same way. I mean, in, in verse 7, that's what it's talking about. They pray by their many words because if they pray the right way, then God will hear them. That's not a father relationship. Because again, Jesus is referring to God so many times as a father. That's the emphasis that he's a father. But many times we relate to God as a boss. If I perform well, then my boss gives me something that I want. If I do the right thing, I have their approval. God, if I pray the right way, then you'll hear. God, if I behave the right way, then you'll hear me. And so here's the foundation of our motives. How, how do we actually not have the foundation of other people's approval? It's not just you saying, I'm not gonna be motivated by that. Who cares what other people think? The, mo the, the true foundation of our motivations is this, that he is our father, that God is our father. God is not our boss. God is not just some distant God. God is our father. It's this relationship that, that we have with him. Do you really relate to God as your father? Do you really relate to him as your loving father? You know, I, I remember a couple years ago, um, and maybe you've had a day like this. Maybe it was actually probably more like a week or two, uh, not just a day, but I remember where I was just like, man, I feel like I'm doing impressively below mediocre at everything. Man, I feel like I'm just kind of not being a very good dad. I don't feel like I'm being a great husband. I don't feel like I'm being a great leader, pastor. I don't, I don't even know. If, man, I feel like I'm doing pretty, pretty not great at even just loving and following Jesus. And I, and I remember that I'm praying and I'm just, I'm just feeling all of these things and it's, it's just kind of been weighing on me all week and I just start praying to God and I'm like, God, then this is how I'm feeling. God, just help me. Help me to be a better dad. Just, gosh, I, oh, just, I just don't even know if I'm getting this. Help me to be a better dad. Help me to be, God, help me to be a better husband. Help me, God, help me to be a better leader. Help me to be a better pastor. But th th there was just something in that, in that prayer that, that I could feel in my heart that was just like, hey, nope, that's not it. That's not getting deep enough. There's something else. God, help me to just be, help me to just be a better disciple of you, God. Help me, to, help me to be just a better follower of you. And I could tell that just wasn't quite it. And then it popped in my brain. That's what it's it. That's what I really need to pray for. And I remember for just a split, just for a few seconds thinking, yes, this is, this is it. This is exactly what I need to pray for. Boom, now we've arrived, Ricky. And I remember just praying in the moment, God, help me to be a better son. And I felt like in that moment, that the Spirit of God just spoke to me and was just like, but you already are. What, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you mean? Well, how could you be praying for me to make you a better son? You, you already are completely my son. How can you be a better one? And I remember just thinking, how would I feel if my son Carson came up to me and was like, Dad, help me to just be a better son? I think I would be like a little heartbroken. Just thinking like, what? What do you, Carson, what do you mean? You, you already are. And we, we, 
I think that we, we have this. Why, I mean, like, why was I praying that way? Why was I praying that way? It was because there was something deep inside of me thinking, questioning, really, my stance, my relationship with God. And I didn't really feel exactly like a sl- son. I slipped into boss mentality, the mentality of the world. Hey, hey I want to I do good. I want to perform well. Am I meeting your expectations do you like what you see, God? Am, am, I, am I doing it right? Be, because, hey, everybody around me, they like a better version of Ricky. Right? They like it when the Ricky sermons are great. When Ricky sermons are duds, I don't know. Not so much. Hey, Ricky's making great decisions. Good decision, Ricky. Bad decision. Man, that Ricky guy's an idiot. Hey, sorry, kids. <laughs> if I come across the right way, people's enjoyment and happiness changes based on me. Their enjoyment of me depends on me. And here's the thing that I think, and God must be the same way. Right? If we're honest with ourselves, that's a lot of times how we think. We have this sneaking suspicion that God is actually really thinking that of us, don't we? Think about it. When you pray, are you thinking, man, I better pray the right way? Or are you hesitant to even go to God in prayer because you've had a bad week? That's not father mentality. That's boss mentality. And God is telling you, if you've trusted in Christ, he's saying, you already are my son, my daughter. You are my child, Everything that you're looking for in the world, you can't find it because I've already given it to you and it's in me. This is a relationship that you cannot earn, that you cannot deserve. It's not like the job that you apply for and you're thinking, hey, does all my job experience and my success stories match and you wanna hire me? That doesn't how, that's not how it works with God. You cannot work for it. You can't do the right things to get it but it's based entirely on grace through Christ alone, by faith alone. You didn't make yourself a son or daughter. Jesus did that for you. Anything that you get from God is based on grace, not because you earned it. Even these rewards that it speaks of here in Matthew 6, it's not, the point isn't, hey, be awesome so that you could get rewards. The point, about is, the point is more about a loving father who rewards rather than you being great. He gives generously. Your self-image, how you view yourself, is not based on you being a good person. It's based on you being a loved person. Why do we do what we do? Why do you do what what you do? Because we have a loving father. Why do I not have to behave and act a certain way to get the approval from people? Because I already have the utmost approval in God, my father, that I didn't earn, that I cannot lose, because why? Jesus has purchased it for me completely through his his life, death, and resurrection. And so even when we pray and we say, in Jesus' name, Do you know what that means? That means that you go to God in the authority of Jesus, not your own authority, not your own goodness, but based on him. This is the way that you and I are changed, that our motivations of our heart are actually to follow God, not to try to manipulate God to like us, not to try to manipulate other people to get them to like us or have the approval. It's because of our father. He is our father. You've been made a child of him. I mean, just think, even, man, it isn't even just so that you get God off your back with forgiveness. When you trust God, you, the, the most amazing thing that you get is God himself. Not just forgiveness, not just this justification that I'm declared not guilty. You get him And so that's the the true foundation that we have 
for our motivations is that God is our loving father, who he is, who he's made us. And then Jesus talks about how do we build on that foundation? How do we build on that relationship with God? Look at verse seven. When you pray, don't, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they will be heard for their many words. Verse eight, don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Here we can say this together. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offenses. And so commentators actually say this is the central part of uh, this, this passage, but also actually of the Sermon on the Mount as a whole. And the prayer, um, start, you know, the, the, the Lord's Prayer starts off with um, our orientation to God. That's the first part of it. And then it switches to our, our orientation to one another. It's kind of like love God, love others. Now, we'll just kind of go through this. And I don't know exactly how you were taught uh, I, th- I think a lot of times we have a pretty familiarity with the Lord's Prayer, and it becomes kind of mundane to us. I remember when I was younger, my parents owned a pizza store, and there for a while I just didn't want anything to do with pizza because it was just all the time. And my parents were working, it's like, what's for dinner? I don't know, you can make yourself a pizza, which is cool for a while. But after a while, you're just like, I can't, like, I'm in terrible shape, and pizza's getting old, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Pizza, pizza, you're just like, eh. And it just becomes mundane, right? And that's a lot of times how we could approach the Lord's Prayer. I've, I've, I've heard this. I've said this. But it's so beautiful. There's so, so much going on. And, and, and again, I don't know exactly how you were taught the Lord's Prayer, but when, uh, when I was younger, this is how it was kind of taught to me of like, hey, this is what you should pray. A-Acts. Have anybody heard that? A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Supplications means asking for stuff. And so basically it was taught to me that like, hey, when you pray, you better, you know, first adore God. First praise his name. Hallowed be your name. Then you need to confess your sins because you know you got some. And then thank God for everything he's given you. And then last, and you better make sure it's last, ask for stuff. Because if you just jump right to the beginning, if you go S, what? You can't go S first. S has got to be at the last. Because God's not going to give you anything if you ask for it first. Maybe you're like, hey, do we go to the same church? Um, or you're like, where'd you grow up? Right? But, but here's the thing. I just want to say, is that really what Jesus is doing here? I mean, didn't he just tell us in verse 7, hey, don't pray like the Gentiles do, who just think they're going to be heard if they babble the right way. They're trying to, to pray the right way to get God to hear them. They're, they're thinking, hey, if we could just kind of unlock the right formula, let's get the right code for prayer. And then what do we do? We're like, oh, cool, thanks, Jesus. Hey, but now we got a cool code. Here's the formula, God. And if I do this, right? Here, here's the thing. I, I do think that there is intentionality with what Jesus is obviously doing here in this prayer. But here's the thing. We approach it, hey, if I pray it the right way, that then I could kind of orient, I could change how God orient, like views me and relates to me, orients to me. But what I think Jesus is really doing is saying, hey, pray like this, and this will help orient you to God, not get God to orient to you. Because why? He's your heavenly Father, our Father. I mean, can you imagine if one of your kids came up to you and did the ACTS thing? Oh, Dad. Dad, you're such a good dad. Hey, I just want to let you know, I stayed out past curfew. You didn't know? You were asleep, and I just snuck in the house, and I stayed out past curfew. But I just want to thank you for putting some food in my stomach and a roof over our head. Hey, can I have 20 bucks to go to the show with my friends? (laughs) I think, I mean, would you be like, awesome, son. So glad our relationship is going good. I think I'd be like, what happened? What was that? That was weird. Babe, do you see that? That was weird, right? But they were like, all right, let's go to God like that. Come on, Dad. Heavenly Father. The, the first words of the prayer, our Father. 
Know who you're praying to, your father, your heavenly father. Your heavenly father sees, your heavenly father knows. He's your heavenly father. And so in prayer, it's this, this conversation with God speaking and listening. And so we, let's just kind of go through. He says, your, um, our father in heaven, your name, uh, you know, hallowed be your name. Or, or um, your, your name be honored as holy. Your name be set apart. This is what uh, John Piper said about this part. He said, nothing is more clear and unshakable to me than that the purpose of the universe is for the hollowing, the, the, the making holy, the rendering it as holy of God's name. His kingdom comes for that. His will be done for that. Humans have bred sustained life for that, to, for God's name to be holy. Sins are forgiven for that. Temptation is escaped for that. God is the supreme treasure and nothing compares. So, so if, if God really is your heavenly father that has lavished his love on you, totally by grace, totally because of what he's done for you, man, of course you'd want his name to be set apart as holy. Of course you would want people to know how amazing God is because nothing else compares. Man, why would you lay up treasures for yourself about all these earthly treasures when you can have God? And so that, that's, that's a huge part of, of prayer is just adoring God for who he is. And again, it's not trying to get God to like, oh, there we go. I like what you're saying. Come on. It's so that it orients your heart to him. Next one, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do you want God's rule and reign in you and around you? It's about his kingdom, not yours. His will, not, not yours. You want his will to be done in your life, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't like it. Why? Because ultimately he's good. It's not about you, it's about him. Um, and so, so those are these, these three prayers that we see that it's all about kind of our orientation to God and then the next three are about um, our orientation with others. And so um, look there at verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Notice that in these three it says us. It doesn't say give me, forgive me. It says us. Because your relationship with God is not just you and God. It's also, you know, love God and love others. It's vertical and horizontal. And so it's this, this communal thing that's not just about you, but your love for others. So give us this day our daily bread. This would have reminded them about uh, the Israelites getting manna, you know, after they escaped from Egypt. And every day God would give them this daily bread to provide for them what they needed. And... And we can know, hey, God, God will provide. I could ask him for, to provide for, for myself, for us. Now, a question that some of you might have is, wait a minute, do I even pray this stuff if God already knows it? Right, verse seven, it's like, but your heavenly father knows. Well, if he knows, then why do I need to ask him for anything? And we could even wonder, like, why do we even pray? Because God's sovereign, and I don't know how it's been told to you, but I mean, some people have said the only reason we pray, I'm not saying it's every, like isn't every reason, but they say the only reason we pray is for God to change us. And I just want to tell you, I think Satan would love for you to think that. I just don't think that's biblical at all. Do we read the Bible and just be like, oh yeah, prayers don't matter. God's just only trying to change you. I mean, what about Elijah when he's having the showdown with the prophets of Baal? And if it was like, then Elijah built the altar and walked away. And then fire fell, right? That's not what it is. Elijah built the altar. He stepped forward and prayed, and then fire fell from heaven. Right? Like, there is something in there that, that prayers matter. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. Daniel 12, the angel says to Daniel, I have, become, I have come to you because of your prayers. It doesn't say because God sovereignly ordained it and just it didn't matter what you prayed in the first place. James 5, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful and effective. Jesus wants you to tell you that prayer is a waste of your time. But, he, but even the, the word of God, even Jesus' own life tells us the opposite. Hey, your prayers matter. 
Now, how does that work? You know, because Jesus is, you know, God's in complete control and he, you know, he's sovereign and he knows what he's going to do. I mean, he even says the Father knows. So how do I know, uh, you know, about that? How does that all work? Here's, here's my great answer for you. I don't know. I don't know. But I just say, is it clear from scripture that God is in complete control? Yes. Is it seem very clear from scripture that, hey, your prayers matter, that they somehow make a difference with God being in control and knowing everything? Yeah. How's that work? I don't know. But praise God, that is like that. And so he says, hey, give us this day our daily bread. Everything that we need for life, God, we're looking to you to depend on you for you to provide it. And give us this day our our daily bread communicates humility, dependence. Even, uh, and it's not just like daily needs, but Jesus is the bread of life, right? Man shall not live on bread alone, but the very word of God. And so everything that I need, not just to sustain me physically, but to sustain me in every possible way, I'm looking to Jesus to do that, to provide me. Next thing, um, he says, um, and, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And so what this is, Jesus here isn't saying like, hey, if you forgive other people, you've kind of earned the forgiveness from God. It isn't that our, our, our forgiveness of others earns us forgiveness with God. Or it's not like, okay, um, that if I don't forgive someone and then I go to God, you know, it's like, hey, I have a grudge against them, but I'm gonna come to you, God, I repent and ask for forgiveness. That God's like, "Mm, no. The the more that we have been, that we see how much we have been forgiven by the grace of God, the more that we will forgive others. And if you're actually holding grudges against somebody else and not forgiving them, here's kind of what's down there probably in your heart. You just think that you're better than them. Right? Ultimately, you just think, I know better and you don't deserve my forgiveness. And that just shows you something in your heart that you think somehow, some ways you deserve the forgiveness from God that he's given you. Right? All of God's forgiveness for you, you didn't deserve. And so the more that you see, man, God has just lavished his his love, his forgiveness on me, the more that I'm going to be forgiving of others. Because if I not, I have an exaggerated view of their sin and I minimize mine. So then he says, lead us not into temptation. It's not that God leads, um, you know, tempts anybody. It says that in James. It's not like he tempts anybody. But this is kind of saying, like, God, deliver me. Help me not to be in situations that I might that I would be overcome by temptation and sin. And, and all of this, like, this is kind of a cool thing, is that in, this Lord's, or in the Lord's Prayer, is that actually, before you even could come and do this perfectly or be awesome at this, Jesus actually fulfilled all of it. Jesus came. You know, Israel, they profaned God's name. If you read Ezekiel, it says that a lot, that you've profaned my name. Jesus comes and he hollows God's name. He makes it holy. He glorified God. He even says, hey, I'm not here for myself, but to glorify my father. When um, Jesus taught uh, about the kingdom of God, he brought the kingdom of God. He made us new, a new people. Your will be done. Jesus prayed in the garden. Father, not my will, but your will be be done. Jesus is the bread of life. He gives us our need in his body that is given for us. And then the one part of the prayer that Jesus actually kind of really couldn't pray, Jesus can't say, forgive us, right? Where it says, and forgive us of our debts. Jesus can't pray that because he's perfect and he's holy. But he extends that grace to us on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And how do we actually get any of that forgiveness? It's because Christ became our sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And he is the one that, by overcoming temptation, he delivers us from evil. And so in this, we just see, hey, what are our false motives, right? That we're all, all about trying to get um, something from other people, get their approval. But our, our true uh, foundation for our motives is that God is our heavenly, loving Father. And that's why we can live differently, have these different motivations. I just want to ask you a question as we wrap up here, is do you really know, do you really live like God is your father? That you really are his child and it's not because of anything that you've done, but because 
through Christ, you've been made a child of God. And that when you go to God, you go in the name of Christ because Christ has made that for you. Is God really your father? Is he a boss? Is he really your loving father? Is he just a hobby? Is he really your loving father? Just a set of beliefs. Galatians 3 says, and through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. Then later on in Galatians 4, it says, and because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his sons, his son into our heights, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a, sin, uh, but a son. And over and over again, God just reminds us, man, you're, you're this but this isn't about just getting you to do good things or have this moral life, but to have this relationship with me and I, the relationship that I've made for you, the relationship that I've earned for you. You don't have to live for the approval and recognition of others because you already have that completely in your heavenly father. It's not because you're a good person. It's because you are a loved person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we do thank you um, that you are our, our Heavenly Father, Lord, that you do love us the way that you do. And Lord, I pray that, that you would just help us, Lord, to not worry so much about what other people think, think of us and trying to kind of control circumstances uh, to get other people's approval, to get other people to like us, Lord. And I pray the same thing, Lord, that we would not live in this way, Lord, that we're just trying to manipulate you to get your approval, Lord. Something that, that Christ, you've earned for us completely, that you've given us freely. So Lord, help us to just always come to you as our Father. So we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.